0: But it's just airplanes, so it's not. It's, it's not really. Noise. This is this is the best seat in the house. It's, it's a got flip a flip runway side. in the front yard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think. Hang on, I think you can now refresh your brand your browser one last time here, and I'm going to. All right, Jeb. <laughs>
1: This is apparently important to you. <laughs> no, no, I just, I, I, no,
0: no, 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 no. You, this is important to you. You brought I, it up in the little pre-show. I, I was content I, I, with after-show.
2: I, I, I love it. I love it. I love
0: yeah.
1: it. I I, I, I. So you're, you're all concerned about the, the. No, the, I'm, I'm not concerned. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing to your attention. I think this news story is out there. I think
0: the lady doth protest too much. Okay. <laughs> well. I, all right. Fish and chips, folks, that's what we're talking about here, fish and chips. Jeb has called to our attention the possibility that traditional fish and chips might actually go extinct. What's the story, Jeb?
1: What is this all about? Basically, global warming may result in there being no more cod or haddock to harvest, which is the traditional fish in the traditional english fish and chips dish okay people are yelling at their pod their ipods we know this this. no
0: what they're yelling is how is this an aviation story airplanes talk about airplanes
2: uh (laughs) where would somebody pass the
1: tartar sauce
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) so
1: uh, well so so the the reason it's it's not an aviation story but it it is a it's a ucap story it's a ucap story and Um, and, um, i don't know do i want to because long-time Reg- Regale listeners, our listeners? Yeah, well, I know. There, Long- there, are, there are people who know the story.
0: Yeah, right. They know that we have sort of an odd fixation with the subject of fish and chips.
1: No, I I, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I don't know. What,
1: what is this we you speak of?
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. Dave and I were perfectly happy at the time. You're the one that made a big deal out of it.
2: But yeah. all
1: right, you know. Yeah, I remember
2: it well. Casey Keys. Seafood,
1: everybody in the zip code made a big deal about it. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think the line was, "I bring you to one of the best seafood restaurants in Florida. All these specials that you order, freaking fish and chips, like it's my canary in a coal mine for a seafood restaurant." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was good fish and chips, as I
1: recall. It was really good fish and chips,
2: as, <laughs> and, and, and as everything else has been. It, well,
1: absolutely. Yes. Then I, again, you know, and, and maybe I'm, I'm, you know, be- begging the question here. But then again, have you ever had any bad fish and chips?
2: Oh
0: yeah.
1: Oh okay, never. Uh heard. yeah, oh, I've yeah. had okay. I've had
0: some weak fish and chips. Okay. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But uh I'm going to move on here, but I'm just going to say if you're in the uh, if speaking of fish and chips, go to Kelly's Ro- Kelly's Rose Beef, ironically. Um here in the greater Boston area, there's four or five locations and they do an aw- awesome fish and chips. Um,
2: anyways, okay, airplane
0: story.
1: Airplane story.
2: Airplane story. Airplane so just just one note. Yeah. Cod is now being farmed, so it will not go away. On the other hand, the tartar sauce farms might dry up from yes. the heat. So. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. So uh, what you're saying is that codfish could get as
0: expensive as swordfish or whatever is the expensive uh, uh, fish is. Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: It, and it's, it's unlikely we'll run out of vinegar. <laughs> okay. And, and as
2: long as they grow spuds in Idaho, our chip supply is safe. Should be okay. Should be Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, moving, aer- moving on. Airplane, Air- story. airplanes,
0: airplane story.
2: So, um, a, a bunch
0: of episodes ago, we spent some time speculating on the subject of why helicopters are typically piloted and commanded from the right seat, and uh, and we beat that pretty much to death. But it occurred to me, I was reading some stories recently, and it occurred to me that implicit in that in that conversation was the idea that left seat is natural. And I was reading some stories recently that suggested that. Well, wait a minute. Why? Why do we? Why does fixed-wing aircraft typically pilot in command from the left seat? And so I found this article. You guys may have seen that. That kind of talks about the why and wherefore of uh, of pilot in command from the left seat. What, what's your take on this? Why Why do we fly airplanes from the left seat? Um, I don't know. See, here's my
1: my. But but I have have a suspicion, but go ahead.
0: So here's a chicken and the egg thing, all right? I've always connected these two things, piloting from the left seat and the fact that left traffic is normal, is sort of the default at an airport, all right, subject to other conditions requiring it to be right traffic. But left traffic traffic is, to, is is the default, and flying from the left seat is the default. And I connect the two because when you're flying from the left seat, you have better visibility to the left so you can see the airport environment and all those kinds of things, all right? And that was my first thought. That's why we fly in the left seat, because left traffic. But then I realized that wait a minute, it's chicken and the egg, we fly from the left seat because it you know, left traffic because exactly. of which came exactly. first. Exactly. So So the question is still open here, all right? Um, this article suggests a couple of possibilities. This article says things like, for whatever reason the right flyers were left seat um, to, when they were dual um, they it was left seat um, pilot in command. Um, in fact, the early right flyers only had controls on one seat the other seat was purely a passenger seat, but it was a left it was the left seat
1: yeah, but it could have been built either way.
0: Could have been built either way, but they're saying that because the Wright brothers made it left in the first place, many
2: people followed, you know, designers followed that sure. as time went on. Well, and the, the original Wright Flyer, the pilot's command seat, was in the center.
0: Was in the center, but right. when they became yeah. dual, um, yeah. apparently it was left seat was the one that had the controls. Um, and I would submit that that's almost certainly a result of the fact that, that the Wright brothers were right or left-handed, whichever they were. It had to do with their handedness. Um, But for
2: whatever reason, the Wright brothers chose to make the left seat the flying seat. Well, I've always wondered about that, whether they were left-handed, because they were so far above average in creativity. And we all know left-handed people are (laughs) far more creative. Jeb, you're right-handed,
0: right? Correct. I'm right-handed. David, what hand do you use? Well, the left, of course. Yeah, okay, all right, see, there we go. Um, Speaking of the right...
2: We're the only people in our right minds. Uh,
0: (laughs) Wright brothers... Uh, 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 right-handed. I don't know. What's the search there? Right-handed. <laughs> I want to see if the internet has any subject on this here. Ten things you may not know about the Wright brothers from history.com. Let's see if that answers the question here. Where are we here? Ten things you may not Uh, first brother, last brother, how you know, Prince of the Daily, never married, flew together. Wait a minute. It says here the Wright brothers flew together just one time. Well, that's kind of sad, actually. Uh... Let's see now. Nope, it doesn't seem to be anything in this story about right or left-handed. Let's just search for the word hand here, find hand. Um, You guys have anything to contribute to this while I'm playing with Google? Not a bit. Uh, (laughs)
1: Thanks. Somewhere I've got the the biography, uh, but I don't think it gets into this.
0: Yeah, okay. Now I'm looking at the Wright Brothers Wikipedia page.
2: We're going to find the word hand. Uh, history tells us that orville wilbur and igor sikorsky were all right-handed right-handed what What do you you read where's that from that's from the uh ga news story questions from the cockpit debunking left seat myths oh
0: the story that i was starting i mean i didn't oops i didn't read that story i guess i could have read that story
2: uh yeah interesting early cars were right Hand drive and chill the Ford Model T. Yeah,
0: that that's also pretty interesting. That's also I did see that in the story. Um, someone suggested that the reason that airplanes are left seat is because cars in the United States are left seat, um, but it turns out that wasn't the truth, wasn't the case in the, in the early days. Well, so when uh,
1: did the Model T go on the market? Uh,
0: I don't know, David. Does it say it there when does it say the Model T?
1: Oh, it's uh, the 19-08. same story, a
0: little bit above that. Yeah. a picture. But does it give a date?
1: Nineteen oh eight. 1908
2: yeah Yeah. two years after the model a took to the skies yeah why fly airplane left
0: seat we're gonna move on folks any second now i promise uh why does an airplane captain sit in the... Uh, this is from Aviation Stack Exchange area here. It sounds we like... We know that during training. Circular search. Answers or All right, so here's here's an answer. I'm going to hang on a second here. This is Stack Exchange. Stack Exchange is a sort of crowdsourced question-answering service that has lots of subject areas. I'm looking at the one that's about aviation. And they also... Um, people rate the answers, so you upvote and downvote the answers. And so the answer here that got the most upvotes, which is only 34, um, but it says, let's see, it says, there are several reasons, mostly historical or theories behind this. Uh, After World War I, most airplanes had rotary engines with left-turning tendencies because it followed the torque of the engine. Therefore, turning left was easier than turning right. Because of this, pilots considered left turns as more convenient maneuver um, and thus experienced the experienced pilot started sitting on the left. That actually kind of plays to my left traffic um, connection. Uh, that, that maybe that's why we do left traffic because the planes wanted to turn left better, more, like more uh, easily.
1: Number two, how does that explain Great Britain
0: or you know, European, uh, some European airplanes? Those Brits—they're just wacky, you know. They're just uh, number two since the early days of aviation. In fact, that pilots they keep the airplane on the right side along the airway. It keeps the airplane on the right side along the airway. I'm not sure if I'm buying that. No, I'm not buying that. Um, at the time, pil- pilots often navigate visually following roads and railways opposite traffic following. Uh, that's, that's conceivably plausible. I don't know. When you're visually flying following a road and it's a road that others are going to fly that you naturally get offset one way or the other is a good thing. I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Well, maybe. There's,
1: a, there's also you know, the concept of right-of-way that you, when when, an on, when you're, you spot an oncoming aircraft, you, you pass to, uh, you, you move to the right.
0: And, and is that in the aim? Is that an official rule of the... Uh, yeah, I believe it is, yeah. Okay. Number three here is my original hypothesis, which is because captain sits on the left, left-hand traffic patterns are more common. No, that's the other way around. Anyways, and then the fourth one here, it says, oh, and this is your, yours, Jeb. Number four is in order to avoid a head-on collision each pl- airplane. Wait a minute. Each airplane must turn right. Since the captain sits on the left, they will have an unrestricted view of the other airplane and therefore can assess the situation easily. All right, well, this oh. thing kind of covered all of our theories, but it doesn't, nothing yeah. jumps out as me. All right, folks, listeners, you got to tell us here. Explain this to us. Um, send us an email or uh, post in the in the forums or uh, Send you know, wherever, up a flare. You know, all, the, all the ways that we're reachable, Twitter and, and whatnot. Set off your ELT. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. Okay. Anything else about left sitting in the left seat? Or should I say it? It's always it. convenient for me.
1: Okay, <laughs> it's my favorite seat. Yeah,
0: welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, sitting in the left seat here in my little home office, and uh, uh, talking uh, in our uh, in our. Wait, uh, where am I coming from? From America? See, many, now I've completely lost my. Routine. How many
1: seats does your home
0: office have? Well, okay, it's got. I, I was sort of that was a little forced. Thing I did there, All right, you know, ah. uh, coming to along the banks of the historic and industrial Cochico River in Dover, New Hampshire, uh, here in our virtual hangar, talking to my two good friends, uh, and, uh, and mostly about aviation, but, you know, time will tell. And uh, <laughs> I was talking to a now I was talking to a non aviation friend recently um, just the other day and uh, at, and he knew I did the podcast but he's not a pilot so it wasn't really up his alley and I said you know if you're interested listen to the first ten fifteen minutes of of one of our episodes because we kind of like you know have fun with the first ten or fifteen minutes and you might enjoy it and you get the flavor of what it is we're doing and and whatnot and uh, and he did and he said it was actually very enjoyable I mean he's totally not. A pilot not interested but he enjoyed listening to the uh, first 10-15 minutes of an episode and uh, he actually said he learned something about about airplanes i forget now what he said it was but uh but he actually learned something guys go figure huh from us from us you know i mean chances are from us it was wrong but he learned something Well, right? I, I yeah i'm still stunned yeah. I,
1: I just don't have anything to say <laughs>
0: uh my two stunned friends here in the in the virtual hangar uh, uh that's that first voice that's from uh, somewhere near sarasota florida that's jeb burnside good morning jeb
1: good morning uh, how, how you doing i'm i'm okay um i'm trying to bask and uh um, oh that's right you just finished the magazine no right? i'm trying to bask. i have not finished the magazine yet i, I uh. want to finish the magazine uh, but I'm doing this instead. Um, oh, oops. But but we really um, try not to
0: do that, but yeah, thank you. Thank no, you for your no, We actually no, wanted I, to squeeze this episode in, so uh yeah. thank you for making an allowance.
1: Uh, but uh I'm about to bask. The basking has not yet begun.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh. So. <laughs> Sorry, caught me drinking water. Um cool. Yeah. And my other good friend here in the virtual hangar from the air capital of the world, Wichita, Kansas, that's Dave Higdon. Good morning Dave, how you doing? Ah, so far, so far. Uh-huh we uh, what's going on with this so uh you know uh, what's the we got to talk about see maybe i shouldn't maybe I should just skip the weather talk people will go yeah yeah skip the weather talk um, I, I can sum it up in a word what's that hot yeah hot Has it been hot unusually uh, <laughs> hot in florida yeah okay
2: i was watching the, uh,
1: i was watching i, I love it it's um, always hot in florida yeah it, it was hot um and dry um, oh, really? Yeah, I, I uh, went out of town early June, and it had been hot and dry pretty much the month of May. Mm-hmm. Rained, rained a couple of times, nothing to, to speak of. And then uh, I left, and it started raining, and I got back, and the grass was about a foot high. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, Don't last... you have people for that? Oh, that's right.
0: Now, you bought a cool bought new it, toy I, now. I you bought a whole your... new toy, yeah. You have it on your own? Okay, yeah, yeah. all right. So, well,
1: there um, you go. So, yeah, so... Um, and it's been raining the last two days, a couple of inches a day. Um, yeah, thunderstorm- we've been a lot of rain yeah, up yeah, here. Thunderstorms too, and-, and all kinds of, of uh, uh, hijinks. So,
0: yeah. I just spent a week in uh, Philadelphia, and and the folks in Philadelphia have been raving about the fact that the weather's crazy there. They've had tornadoes right near the edge of the downtown area um and yeah ain't that something they've had major major thunderstorms on a regular basis apparently it's crazy crazy weather there i mean when i was there the first couple of days we were there all of our so most everybody's phone these days is set to get emergency alert alarms you know the little uh, um and uh must have been four or five times in the first couple days all our phones beeped at the same time because of flash flood warnings wow um in the philadelphia area um so uh yeah, yeah it's we, crazy we, there we had a flash of flood in warnings of in philly it, yeah because it was just crazy amounts of rain over short periods of time yeah which, we
2: we went through a bunch of that here matter of fact the river around my neighborhood has not been back in its normal banks for three weeks oh really uh it, it got back i take that back it got back into the normal banks for a couple of days then overnight big rain like three inches in an hour and a half and the next morning it's up and the big ditch is full uh it's been crazy it's been crazy i had to go out of town uh sunday for a a, a job uh came back on uh tuesday and that was the first three-day stretch that i didn't get into rain the whole month of june yeah. just nuts
0: yeah so yeah Weather's been crazy all over.
2: us. well, I'm it, thinking about trading one of my cars in for an amphib.
0: <laughs>
2: okay, all right. Let's see now. What are we going to do here? Okay, here we go. Uh,
0: Francisco Franco is still dead. Oh uh, <laughs> man,
2: really? That's, really? That, that yeah, poor guy. Yeah.
0: Um, the 737 is 737 Max is still grounded, and uh, now they're saying <laughs> September. I saw a story the other day that said, don't expect before September. I heard, I heard December uh, yeah, uh, several, weeks, really? several
2: weeks ago.
1: Yeah. Well, there, and, there, and you're
2: like, what? Well, and there was a new software issue pop up this past week. Right. And that, that, got, that got a couple of phone calls and a couple of emails from some of my, uh, they're not aviation-oriented friends, but they fly a lot. Right. Yeah. And, of course, they fly our least favorite kind of aerial conveyance, a human mailing tube. And, uh, it, 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 honest to God, I gotta, wow, I, I just booked a flight on such and such airline, and, and, and it's a <laughs> Boeing 7 something or other. Should I change my flight? And it's like, into what? Well, something that hadn't crashed. Uh, if you can find an airplane in airline service that's never experienced a crash, you should buy up all the tickets. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it doesn't exist. Well, um, maybe the yeah, 787. 380.
1: A380. That's true. It, that, it, you, it, you can't
2: a get big, a 380 between Detroit and Chicago. Th- there's that too. Um,
1: but You aren't yeah. going to
2: get a 380 much longer anyway You're not right?
1: going to get a 380 much longer anyway, but I mean, if and did one of those if and did one of those things crash, uh, well, we would certainly know about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It so. would be,
1: it would be a deal.
0: So I don't know. Yeah, it's a craziness, and they've just discovered more problems, like David said. And, yeah, uh, it's
1: it's it's really spirally out of control. I don't know. Um, that's that's that's. Uh, I my uh, total. That's, that's overly dramatic. Uh, yeah, my it, total. go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going
0: to say my my completely unprof, unprofessional, unscientific, you know, ill ill-informed opinion of the whole thing is that it all goes back to them just trying their darndest to say this is a seven thirty-seven. All right? um, when it's really not. If they would just bite the bullet and say, this is a 7-something, seven, seven. this is uh-huh. a whole new type, All right, um, with all of the expense and training and support and whatnot that goes with that, things might get better. I think they're just really forcing this issue here. Well, right? I, I, and if I, they're uh, going to force the issue, here's what I'd like. I'd like them to change the software so that the 737 fly- Max flies like a 152, and I can fly
1: it. <laughs> um, I think they've got bigger problems than just making the thing fly like a 737 yeah i mean that's what it's starting to sound like um there's two or three things yeah, you know, two or three things going on one there's a high speed um uh, end of the envelope problem and then there's a low speed end of the envelope problem um it doesn't leave much left does it, it doesn't well you know y'all you want to stay in, you want to stay in the middle of the sky at all times um, but apparently um, some of that might be getting a bit difficult for the for the maxes but there, there's two or three things going on aerodynamically one is the engine placement is, differs from all previous 737s significantly it's, significantly two the uh, nacelle design itself uh, apparently differs, and, and, you know, its placement obviously has some impact here also, but presents a different kind of surface in, in a high uh, pitch angle, and perhaps enough to force the pitch angle higher. Uh, and, you know, some of the software is designed to compensate for this. At lower air speeds, that different engine placement is going to command a nose-up pitch more likely uh, perhaps more so than previous designs, so it's all you know uh, uh, a dog's breakfast almost, and I don't know. I mean, that's that's my understanding of the aerodynamics. Uh, certainly could be wrong, well,
2: but then, it, and, and it, I,
1: that's just what we know. We don't know the, the the innermost things going on with this, and just what we've read in the popular media. So. Mm-hmm. Right. David, it, it, yeah. It,
2: it, it's not the first time that an aircraft's thrust angle uh, changed dramatic, dramatically with pitch changes, but I don't recall another aircraft where th- those pitch changes so dramatically changed the thrust line that overwhelmed the flight control. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then that's what the whole system was designed to counter. Uh, but then you throw in some of those wonderful variables that never seem to get completely taken care of, like uh, using one sensor when two is right. more in order, uh, the sensor sending erroneous signals, which we've seen before on the Airbus. Uh, uh, and the, 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 the sheer dynamics of all this, how it changes throughout the envelope, uh, I'm not sure how in the hell you design a software uh, a package that uh, can allow for all those variations in such a small area.
0: Yeah. Well, apparently you don't. Um, not so far. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I get the feeling we're going to come back to this later on. Um, anything else to yeah, add to it right now?
1: No. I just, um, you know, there's there are other things going on again, based on on what's been reported about how some critical values in the original software got changed. Uh, almost by a factor of ten.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: there's obviously the: uh, Are you really going to only use one angle of attack sensor to trigger this software uh, kind of issue? And then uh, I, I keep coming back to the software was approved. The software was approved. I don't know a year ago, at least when the mm-hmm. maxes when the maxes were, were first type certificated. Um, and here we are, they were grounded in March and here we are, uh, the end of June. So that's been call it three and a half months. And they're saying September That's six months. Uh, we've also heard December, that's going to be nine months. Oh, it'll be two. Yeah. It it takes that long to fix what we've been told is a very simple software problem. I'm not buying that.
0: I think discovering the problem was simple. I think fixing it is not so much,
2: but, uh, yeah. Well, and I was talking with a a friend at a local watering hole uh, a couple of weeks ago about this. And he was one of the people, he was one of the first people that asked me, you know, my next flight's a Boeing, should I change it? Should I still be going if it's a Boeing, blah, blah, blah? And I was like, you know, weren't you one of the guys, that you know, a year ago saying, hey, if it ain't Boeing, I ain't going? Uh, well, now he's sweating bullets because... Software is a part of what he does. Yeah, and so and, he knows how bad how ugly it can get. Yeah, and he's looking at this and he goes, "Oh yeah, you just change a few lines of code right here, and, and then you follow it through to see how those few changes change other things downstream, and then you write new code to fix that, and then it changes stuff downstream, and then you write different code to fix that." He said, "Pretty soon you you know you gone halfway through all the lines of code to make." what seemed like one or two simple changes. You know, where software is concerned, there is no such thing as a simple change.
0: Right, right. So, anyways, let's move on. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll come back to this. Well, the good, good news
2: idea. for us... Yeah, is that most of the stuff that we fly will never have this problem? Well,
0: yet yeah, not in we, our lifetime, we, anyways. We you know,
2: can, but we we can cause enough of our own problems. Yeah, without it putting the airplane in, in the control of software. That's going yeah, to do it. no,
0: but you keep in mind that all this autonomous and semi-autonomous, you know, droney kinds of things that are coming down the you know, air taxi stuff coming down the line, could well have these kinds of problems. They're very software dependent, obviously. So, and uh, some
2: some of it is closer than you think. Oh yeah, it's, oh yeah, it's, 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 like that. Uh, like that rear view mirror on the right hand side. <laughs> yeah, closer than it appears.
1: Gr- granddaddy, uh, granddaddy, come tell us again about how you used to fly piston powered airplanes.
0: <laughs> uh, before we move on here, David uh, Jeb, rather, Jeb, did you say a dog's breakfast? I did. Okay. I just want to make sure I wrote it down right <laughs> because I wrote it down. Um, moving on. Let's see now. Uh, li- uh, listener, uh, message from a listener here. Um, and I, and uh, I take it it wasn't milk bone. <laughs> Listener Steve Bussolari uh, n- posted. You never heard uh, that phrase before? I never have, no. No. No, and I don't want to spend, I, yeah, I've already spent a lot of time to Google it. So I'm going to do it later. I'll do it later. Uh, but, I'll do it uh, for you. Okay, uh, listener Steve Buscellari, uh checked in by way of uh, Patreon, uh, where you can leave comments if you are so inclined, yeah. um, and he wanted to update us. And I'm not going to try and cover this. this is a, This seems, to, at least to my you know simple mind, is a pretty complicated subject. But we talked an episode or so ago about lam- laminar versus non-laminar airflow over wings and well, how it affected the performance of the wing. And we kept referring to flow separation, where the the, the airflow separating from the wing or not separating from the wing. And and what Steve says, with some some sounding authority here, it sounds like he knows what he's talking about. That it's not as simple as we kind of let it to be. Go figure. Uh, and uh, well, duh. And it has also to do with just simply the, I don't know what, the energy of the uh, of air flow over the wing. And there's just a lot of things going on here. Um, uh, this We're going to post this message. You can find it if you're in Patreon. You can go find it yourself, or, or I'm going to post it separately um, and put a link in the show notes. And uh, if you're at all interested in this kind of subject, it's kind of interesting. It's not very long. It's only about six paragraphs he's written us. But uh, um, he kind of uh, uh, you know introduces a bunch of aspects of this that we either didn't know or, or oversimplified. Um, do you guys want to dig into this a little deeper,
2: or, or I don't?
1: I think we exhausted our expertise on this topic the first time. We sure did. And, and,
2: and well, and you know, the the thing that uh, Steve mentions here that I'm most familiar with is uh, the golf ball example. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I'll I'll just read it. It's a short graph. A smooth golf ball will not fly nearly as far as a dimpled one because the turbulent boundary layer caused by the dimples stays attached further back on the ball surface, and the ball has less drag. But it doesn't quite carry over the wings, so don't go out and dimple your wings with a ball-peen hammer. (laughs) But, well, okay. Yeah, Yeah, they, they pay extra
0: for that yeah yeah i know right okay so yeah if you're curious about the more detail um you you go check the show notes or 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 maybe we'll put some i don't know your show notes is the best bet um moving on And,
2: Uh, and thank you steve
0: yeah.
1: Yes, thank you, Steve.
0: Thank you. we got a bunch of, as you're going to discover, we've we got about half a, or about four or five um, responses and, and bits of feedback from listeners that we're going to try and touch on here. Um, this one, though, uh, David, you uh, called our attention to the fact that FlightAware has some data about ADS-B adoption. Is that a fair description of this? What's going on?
2: Yeah, uh, FlightAware has been uh, running monthly updates here for a little while, showing the Equipment rates for different parts of the fleet, uh, equipment with ADSB, that is. And uh, so the last couple of reports have s- shown that the uh, uh, installation rate has gone up, it's up over 70% of the fleet now, uh, which is good because there's only, you know, like six months left. And right now, the only thing in seriously short supply is installation slots at your avionics shop. So if you haven't invested yet, think about investing in something that's so simple that you could put it on yourself and get your A&P to sign it off because it'll get it done quicker than if you get it queued up at a shop and have to wait until February, at which point then you'd have to get this waiver from the FAA and you're going to do that on a case by case basis and otherwise you'd be grounded. So, but yeah, we're getting, we're getting there. That's. We're so mm-hmm. much closer now than we were at this point a year ago that it, it actually surprised me mm-hmm. to, to see the uh, installation rate up. Well, this
1: this is saying two-thirds uh, in January, and now m- greater than two-thirds, probably you know, 73% yeah. of the aircraft that it is tracking, apparently – I, right. I, that's that's what I'm questioning. It, what, what's the, the, the um, universe of, of possible um, um, responses here? But um, now it's seventy three percent. I presume that's all the aircraft that are being tracked by by FlightAware that they have some ADSB data, some compliant ADSB out data. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, <clears throat> it's quite interesting. So maybe,
0: maybe, fingers crossed, it's not as dire as we feared it might be. Well, I don't uh, think uh, it's dire. Um, the vast just a ma- bunch of people are going to have to change their flying behavior well, the vast on, on ma- January-, January
1: 1st. Well, the vast majority of of the airplanes that are the, the 37% or 27% um, aren't going to need to be in rural airspace. Right. Uh, regularly, anyway.
0: They already don't.
1: They already there. don't need to be in rural airspace now. Right. Um, I I'm old enough. I've been doing this long enough. I remember when Mode C was first required, guys, and it wasn't automatic. It wasn't every airplane didn't have Mode C immediately. It took some time, even after the rule went into effect. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know, patience, grasshopper.
2: <laughs> okay. Gee, Grandpa, tell us more.
1: It's yeah. right.
0: Another bit of feedback from a listener. Um, this is by way of Twitter. Um, listener Riga Runner, who Riga. Boy, let me say this You're Doing the way well. the way someone not from Boston would say it, Riga Runner, um, <laughs> uh, who we've heard from in the past, um, not so much recently, but they, but I, I recognize that name and Riga Runner has been uh, been uh, uh, giving us feedback for some time yeah, now. That's excellent. Um, he
1: lives, so he, refers, he lives here in Sarasota, by the way.
0: Oh, does he really? Yeah. Yeah we've, oh, been, so, we've I, I, been threatening
1: to get get uh, lunch or something. Oh.
0: Yeah. Well, there you go. You're yeah. going to have to now that I've used oh, yeah. his name in vain, oh, yeah. um,
1: so to speak. And, and you, you've you've met him before. Have I? Yes. Okay.
0: You're 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 going to have to remind me who. Okay. Uh, well, later on, right? Okay. Sure. We don't want to totally out this person who's right. chosen not to use his real name on on the internet. But Riga Runner has uh, um, made reference to our story. We were talking about the Alaska float plane midair um, of a few months back. Um, and he writes, uh, regarding the Alaska float plane midair, wouldn't both airplanes have been equipped with ADS-B and thus could have seen each other on flight? He says it's only six months until ADS-B is required. And, uh, and I think there's a number of reasons why um, he's oversimplified, you know, a number of different ways in which this is oversimplified. I mean, obviously, they don't all have it yet, and they don't all have four flight within and all that kind of stuff what what you i, I kind of want to just bring it up that maybe this is a general misconception or or what do you think
1: um well I, I responded uh to him at the time and the the um there's a preliminary report already available on the ntsb website on this mm-hmm. um the pilot of one of the aircraft uh the uh to otter uh survived um and apparently some injuries but it was certainly well enough to give you know something of a report to investigators and he distinctly recalls checking his ADS-B traffic he had a, a, a apparently a combination of of sources of traffic information i'm not sure exactly how the airplane was equipped but he, just, he he reported to investigators that he remembered checking his display for traffic um just a couple of 3 miles maybe a couple of 3 minutes before the collision occurred, um, the preliminary report does not say how the aircraft were equipped, uh, and of course, the pilot of the the Beaver um, uh, was killed, so we can't get a report from him. Right. But the the real punchline here is that's not rural airspace. Ketchikan is a, a non-towered airport. Right. And they were well outside the five mile. Um, um, radius, if you will, that you might consider to, there to be a class D. Um, the only air traffic services at that airport is a flight service station that gives airport, uh, advisories. It does not clear, um, people that land to take off. So even if they'd had, I'm sorry, they weren't required to have ADSB now or then, or, or in the future, I should say. Mm-hmm. Right. Right,
0: I think I think he was just speculating that they, right. they may not be required, but they might have. And well, and, and I think that's the oversimplification: is that it's well, not
1: right that now, universal. Here, yeah, here's the thing: um, ADSBN data, whether it's traffic and weather, traffic or weather, TISB, FISB, um, neither are approved for uh, commercial operators to use as a substitute for other services.
2: Right, um, it's advisory this is, this is, only. It's advisory
1: only. And um, even it's good these, advice. these both, are, yeah, that's, that's a whole other topic. Um, both of these operators are 135 operators. Therefore, they couldn't use ADSB traffic alone as a required uh, traffic device, even if one was required for their operation. And I don't know enough about the operation except that it, they both were 135 Um Clearly, the airspace wouldn't have required um, um, advanced—oh, I'm sorry. Wait a second. Uh, I know what the the answer is. The otter, the DHC-3, was a turbine otter, and I think they are required to have some kind of traffic display because it's a turbine-powered aircraft. Oh, okay. 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 Well, and this
2: this made me wonder. Yeah. What was it when the Capstone Project was launched— the FAA paid to equip uh-huh. a huge number of GA airplanes in Alaska with an early version of ADSB with, with traffic and weather. And, but I don't know what happened to all those systems after the test was over and they started moving into the, uh, to the uh, installation requirement under the 2010 rule the FAA issued in May that year. Uh, but it made me wonder... Those people get to keep those, or Are they still using them? Do they still work? That's that's uh, a good
1: question, and uh, maybe some a good question to ask someone at Oshkosh. so some of the FAA types at Oshkosh. Yeah, yeah uh, that, what what, what happened to Capstone? Mind. You know, yeah. on one level, you know, both of these airplanes are certainly old enough to have been in this kind of operation back when Capstone was a thing. And, and certainly and part, could have certainly could have been re- equipped. Um, that's been twenty plus years, though. And, 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 and avionics change.
2: Oh, hugely! And one thirty five operations were part of the, uh, uh-huh, uh, exactly. the target for equipping under Capstone. Exactly. Uh, just like in the Ohio River Valley, uh, UPS got an early version of it, along with some special software for sequencing, as they tested it for uh, helping improve runway acceptance rates at uh, major airports like Louisville, where you get this daily influx and outflux of uh, cargo aircraft. Uh, you get it in Nashville. I'm sorry, you get it in Memphis. You get it in Indianapolis. Uh, so that what became a capstone? I mean, we know it evolved into the new ADSB rule that we're all living under now, but I keep wondering about the equipment levels and what happened with that equipment, whether people – yeah, Had to give nuts. it back, and now they're on their own to uh, get it installed under the new rule, or what?
0: Yeah, interesting question. We should look into it, listeners. You should tell us if you know. Um well, there's, and, uh, you know,
1: there, it's a shame. You know, we live in a day and age okay. when, uh, there's information out there.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there is. You know, although we're still waiting on the answer regarding dogs' breakfast. So, um. I sent you that link. <laughs> Oh, did you really? I'm sorry. I'm looking. I have two computers here today. I told. Oh, I guess I told you that during the pre-show. Um, I'm running two computers, and the one that's got the chat is kind of out of my field of view. Uh... Moving on here, uh, uh, so uh, here's another bit of feedback from a listener. Now <laughs> I, I'm only now making the connection here. By the way, that this one's about AD, everybody's thinking about ADSB. It appears because right? this one's about ADSB as well. Um, from, this is from listener David, and I'm going to redact his last name because this was private email, and I didn't want I don't want to presume. Um, but so David C, um, listener David C, uh, sent us email where he says, um, uh, "Well, so this is the Aeron, um a- program." Say it again? ARION. ARION. Program. ARION, yeah.
2: What is, isn't the ARION program the, what is the ARION program? Well, it varies with spellings. I okay. I mean, there's, there's one ARION program that's uh, building a supersonic business jet. That's the one I thought. That's not this. This is n- definitely not this. This This okay. is a, uh, which is now in a operational phase. It's a satellite system to provide ADS-B coverage. Globally. 100% the
0: surface of the earth. Right. And who's doing this? Who, who is this area on? Is this a, a
2: private outfit? Is this a government thing, a military it's thing? A private company. Uh, and the, uh, the, the revenue stream that they expect to get from this is providing their global ATC separation services to air traffic control systems around the world where they don't have a ground infrastructure like we do here in the States. Right. Uh, so, like, the FAA is talking to them about Atlantic coverage because we don't have radar out over the North Atlantic or the Mid-Atlantic or the South Atlantic. But with this satellite system, a AERION, the air traffic c- authorities can link to the satellite system and track flights over the ocean through their ADS-B out transmissions. Okay. And, yes, it is real. They've been yeah, that was in, David's question. Is this real? And he also he? wanted to know how widely it might be available. Um, you know, how widely? Okay, well, widely available. It's globally, the the coverage is global. Right. It's but not beyond free. that. It depends on who contracts right. and is going to pay the money to this so company it, to get that service. It's it's all exclusively for a fee, is what you're saying, or what we expect. It's a for-profit. Well, we company. won't pay it, but the FAA will pay it right. to the North Atlantic. Yeah. Right.
1: Or or. Well, there's all kinds of, of different ways to do that, but in the U.S. we have the ground stations. Now, at some point they might get turned off and, and will be on on the satellite, but right now ADSB in the U.S. is based on ground stations.
2: Yeah, that's the that's the relay between right. us and the air traffic
1: control uh, computers. Right, um, having the satellite the satellite network dedicated to uh, to b um, I you know I have questions. <laughs> um, one is this ADSB out only. In other words, these satellites receive position data and forward it onto the respective uh, air traffic control um, facility. Um, I presume that's that's as far as it goes. You know, there's no sense in in uh, zapping down ADSB be in um, because of the bandwidth. I would guess, and, and the aircraft that need it that that don't need it are the real customers for um um this service which is the the uh, transoceanic airliners but um yeah this is a deal it, right right now it's in trial use according to this press release now this was basically two months ago um and uh yeah, i'm not clear i haven't heard any announcements but that doesn't mean um, they haven't uh, gone op- fully operational
2: Oh, well, the yeah. last i got from them was uh I want to say early this month, it may have been late May, but they were operational. They would completed their uh, uh, testing to make sure that everything worked, and they were moving on to the phase of starting to uh, supply this to some of the air traffic uh, management authorities or, that are interested in, in using it. Now, uh, David C. did ask a really good question here because of the uh, kind of overreaching statement in their press release that said it provides, quote, provides real-time air traffic surveillance and tracking to 100% of ADSB equipped aircraft on the planet. This is true if you're using 1090ES, which distinction. is what the rest of the world uses, and the rest of the world doesn't use the 978 universal access transceiver option that we have here in the States. 978 UAT is not covered by the Ariane system because the satellites weren't equipped to receive it uh, because we're the
1: only country that has it uh, and, and, and we th- would i would hasten to add it's not legal it doesn't comply with other countries adsb out requirements yep. it's only usable in the u.s unless you know you get a waiver or someone changes their rules bahamas mexico canada
2: and it's only usable in the U.S. up to flight level 180.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Above 180, you got to have 1090 ES.
1: The second reason you can't get your Skyhawk to 19,000 feet.
2: Yeah. <laughs> skycrane, skycrane.
1: Space That'll, elevator,
0: Space elevator dude. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Okay, all right. Uh, we we are <laughs> believe it or not, starting to reach the end of our allotted time here. Or at least we will when we kind of finish a couple other subjects here. But David, you met you wanted to talk about this drive by land thing, this wet ditching thing. What, what what's this story about? What, I think this is one of the ones you asked us to talk about. Uh,
1: oh, I know what this is. What is it, Jeb? Um, I I did a story on this too uh, in safety. Um, first of all, this is Tom Turner uh, who, who wrote this. Tom's uh, uh, longtime yes. yeah, longtime uh, uh, American Bonanza Society employee. Uh, I think now he's executive director. He's also a longtime flight instructor. Has an Air Force background, um, and he's you know one of the Bonanza uh, Beechcraft ma- mafia, uh, if you will. Um, <clears throat> there was a, a V-tail Bonanza launched out of um, uh, Upper. Uh, northwest Michigan, bound for basically uh, Detroit, the, the lower south southeast part of the state, uh, and was crossing Lake Michigan and had an engine failure, uh, and crashed. Both pilots died. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they ditched. Um, this was in uh, I want to say March. Um, so it, it wasn't maybe it was early May. But it was clearly the wrong time of the year to be going over the lake, because um, uh, it was uh, still still part of winter, partly winter up there, and the water temperatures were cold. Punchline is the uh, in my book anyway. The punchline is um, not going over the water, but going over the water at a such a low altitude. He was at seven thousand feet and came up four and a half miles short of being able to glide to an airport, um, and it's a very good article. Very good treatment of you know what are the what are the uh, the risks? How do you mitigate those risks? Do you go around the lake? Do you find another route? Do you go higher? Do you carry life rafts? You know things like that. And uh, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's almost a morality play. Uh, um, this particular really? accident. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, it goes without saying. We'll put put a link to that in in the show notes. People
2: can take a look. And uh, um, David, anything you want to add to that? Uh, No, just okay. the short way is the smart way. And the short and the, way is the smart way, yeah. the even if way. it's over water. Yeah, if you're going to oh, fly yeah. over water, you want to take the narrowest, the, the shortest uh, well, okay. way possible. And looking at this Bonanza, uh, as Mr. Turner explains, it, it, it glides 1.7 nautical mile for every 1,000 feet of altitude loss. Well, that works out to be about... 10 to 1 cloud ratio. Okay. And if you calculate the uh, the crossing distance and the altitude, you can do that on your E6B and go, oh, that's not high enough. Right. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the thing. Make yeah. it high okay. enough or
1: make it short. All right. I, well, I, I t- go across the lake I with, know you do, with yeah. some regularity, mm-hmm. um, but I do it a hell of a lot higher than 7,000 feet. Yeah.
0: Right. right. Yeah, this is a thing for people air venture bound and, and outbound inbound and outbound um i know back in the days when i was writing the around the field column um this would come up a lot when i was just chatting with uh regular attendees and i would often ask them people and and, and the opinions were just all over the place just as you would imagine you know like jeb some people fly across the lake you know with precautions but basically no stress and uh others won't do it because they think it's not you know it's they think it's an unreasonable risk it's
2: it's you know well, is isn't this isn't just for guys crossing parts of the Great Lakes. I've I've talked to pilots uh going to and from Sun and Fun. Who yeah. coming from my part of the world and they like to cut across the uh the gulf. The, the yeah. gulf up around Tallahassee. And I think, "Yeah, that's fine, but you got to allow for the fact that about the first 2 miles of land up there is not dry. It's right. marsh. Yep. Uh, so your airplane's going to wind up in the water if you come up short there. And taking the routing that uh, keeps you over dry land the whole way, we figured this out one time. In the Comanche, it added eight, count them, eight whole minutes to the trip <laughs> to stay over dry land. Eight minutes. And, and You know, that that's not even enough gas to taxi to the pump. So... We always whisked out and stayed over a Right, right, right. Okay. All right. Um,
0: so this next, this is actually a batch. I don't think we're going to talk about all of these, but I, th- I found it notable that so- this list, of uh, listeners, I should tell you that the list was unusually large this time because it's been literally a month since the last time we recorded and, uh, so we keep adding things to the list that got bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I was trying to sort it out and make some sense of it. And one thing that jumped out at me, well, the ADSB, ADSB thing didn't jump out at me until just now. This did jump out at me when I was sorting through it. And that is, there's was a whole bunch of stories about electric airplanes, yeah. um, this is pretty interesting. Let's see if I can sim- if I can summarize this. Um, Flight Designs um, has announced that they're messing around with the idea of a of an actually got a flying prototype apparently. Yes. Um, and so Flight Designs. Let's see now. Uh, what's this next one? A, a hybrid, which is not exactly electric. David and I have this argument all the time. But a hybrid electric Cessna three three seven um, is another story. Um, a let's see now this next one I think. And then there's apparently a is this a beaver like the beaver that we were talking about earlier, the the float-ish off-field uh, not off-field um, um, bush plane? And uh, and then there's a Cape what, Cod-based what, what beaver. Uh, taking, it says taking beavers it's, electrical. No, it's Dave's.
1: Like, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Harbor it is. Air
0: and Magna X partner to build the worst world's first all-electric airline harbor air seaplanes is this related because the next story is um so a cape cod based um well, airline that's there air.
1: that's to me the the biggest recent news yeah why uh, so um uh, cape air is a long time well respected operator serving um i guess nantucket um the, the that area um, as well as, uh, I think they have an operation out of Naples, Florida that goes to okay. Miami and, and uh, Key West yeah. and like that. Subject and, of a very popular sitcom. No, that's probably not them. Probably not them, although it might be modeled on them.
0: It might be inspired by yeah, them. Yeah, go ahead. Um, they fly a, so what is it they're they doing? They fly a
1: fleet of Cessna 402s, which were new in the 70s. Um, and, you know, they, they they're one of the, primary fleet operators of that specific engine around the world, and, and uh, they pay a lot of attention to their engine, uh, the piston engines on those airplanes. Anyway, punchline is they've signed a contract with uh, an Israel-based uh, company called um, Aviation um, to, for like 20 uh, of the, uh, the company's um, nine-seat all-electric aircraft. The uh, the uh, aircraft are actually, I call them tri-motors because that's what they are. They have, um, um, I forget, I think it's an aft-mounted, tail-mounted motor, and then they have two motors mounted in each wing. We have a motor mounted in each wing tip for three total. They're all pusher configurations, I believe, as I recall. Let me, let me look it up while we're talking. And... Uh, um, say they're, they're going to make this thing, and Cape Air is signed up for like 20 copies. Uh, mm-hmm. And that would put on all electric aircraft in commercial service. Yeah. And that's a big deal. And Jack, yeah. it is the same
2: model airplane, the DHC 2 De Havilland Beaver. Oh, okay. That uh, is
1: going to be Harbor Air's uh, uh,
2: conversion. Oh, okay. And that's the same one that was in the uh, unfortunate accident. The, the same e- model.
1: It's called the Aviation Alice and uh, all of the propellers are indeed pushers.
2: Hmm,
0: okay. Well, okay. Sorry, I was going to get into a little philosophical discussion. They're all pushers and pullers. Never mind. No, I mean... I, the, I know, I, I get the point. It's, don't, it, it, don't
1: make me come up there.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, David, any any take on this? Whole, I mean, there's just too many stories for us to really dig into them all, but uh, these electric airplane stories, What anything strike you as particularly interesting?
2: Well, what struck me most of all was the, uh, the amount of development activity that's going on around this kind of um, a desire to change propulsion systems. Right. Uh, it, you know, what, what was being shown at, uh, at the uh, big show in Germany after Sun and Fun, uh, this new stuff, and I suspect that we'll see some more along these lines uh, when we all get to Wisconsin next month. I would think. I would
0: think. I mean we're seeing a lot of uh of breakthroughs maybe not breakthroughs but advancements in uh in battery technology and I think that's a big driver here. Um uh, I don't know if I'm hearing so much about motors becoming more efe- efficient but maybe they are. But yeah, um there's there's uh yeah, electrics the future. Mark my words. It's electrics the future and
2: uh I I've been investing big on elastic extension cords.
0: okay no electric's the future it's for for all these things cars and airplanes and and uh yeah electric granddaddy granddaddy yeah okay (laughs) all right all right uh one last thing here before we go to pot shout outs here i just wanted to uh um these these uh citation flame out accidents that diesel
1: um, uh, diesel uh, exhaust fluid yeah yeah okay come on now uh,
0: what is so def D E F contaminated fuel? And you just told us what it means. What is it? Um, diesel is this exhaust the stuff that keeps it from getting gel.
1: No, diesel exhaust fluid is used in in road intended diesel engines as a part of their emissions control system. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, it is a colorless uh, uh, liquid, um, often stored where diesel engines, diesel powered trucks are used. Uh, coincidentally, many airports that have trucks have diesel engines in those trucks, right. and those trucks are used to dispense fuel into uh, jet turbine powered aircraft. Yeah Sometimes uh, instead of adding what the lineman thinks is de-icing fluid, fuel, uh, anti-icing fluid, I should say, to the jet fuel, uh, they've added DEF.
0: Oh, so this DEF is added it's, on, it's, in it's, the field. It's, it's, added, not- it's
1: added in the field. Um, yeah, okay. And uh, it's you know, just one of these FUBAR mistakes. Someone didn't label the containers correctly. But uh, this has happened like two or three times now yeah, yeah. in the last year and a half. And um, to their great credit, a bunch of the uh, trade associations got together with some other industry types, some petroleum industry types. And came up with a rather lengthy and comprehensive set of guidelines and best practices, and and a, a very good primer on the whole topic and how to how to fix it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just been within the last couple of weeks. Cool. Okay, well, that's but, interesting. Yeah, th- there were there okay. was there was um, there was, was what, two Jeff? citations. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. two citations flying out of Naples, Florida. Both of them by the run by the same operator. Both of them fueled. Um, at Punta Gorda, where the op, where the operator's base is at, one of them had an engine failure and landed. I want to say Louisville. The other one had a double engine failure and dead sticked it onto the runway at Savannah. This is. These are citations. Uh, citation five okay. fifties, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the pr- and, problem and, and is, oops. Is, is, as yeah,
2: this, oops. as this story points out. This diesel exhaust fluid, DEF, can cause crystalline deposits that clog fuel system components, including filters, fuel nozzles that inject the fuel into the uh, combustion uh, chamber, uh, can mess with the pumps, I understand, uh, that pump the fluid out from the uh, from the t- fuel supply, to the wing tanks or wherever, into the engine. Uh, it's not good stuff, and there's no way to detect it uh, so far. And what compounds this confusion is that airport fuelers add a liquid to jet fuel to help prevent it from gelling or crystallizing or uh, moisture in it, crystallizing in a fuel tank because when you think about how high turbine aircraft fly, you can expose that fuel supply to temperatures as low as 60 degrees below zero. Uh, kerosene turns to jelly at right. temperatures like
0: that. And I think that's what Jeb was alluding to, is that yeah. they put the wrong additive into these in, into this
2: stuff. So, yeah, anyways. But the, the, the deal is, though, that it's not unusual to see that additives are being added to jet fuel. It's just right. not that one. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, don't do that.
1: Um, One of the things they're apparently going to try to do is get the the DEF manufacturers to dye it uh, with yeah. some color, um, and uh, I don't know how that'll work, but um, whether that'll have an impact on the diesel equipment itself, who knows at this point. Yeah, yeah, okay.
0: This is one of those moments where it's good that this is not a video podcast because I just spilled my glass of water.
1: <laughs> I was wondering what was going on. Yeah,
0: no, that's what happened. I spilled my glass of water. Um, fortunately, well, it wasn't a glass. It's actually it's a, it's it's the water bottle from my bicycle, so it's kind of got a, a recessed lip, so I didn't lose. But I got water all of my desk here, and I was like trying to sop it up without it. So. Okay, wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah.
1: You're, you're burying the lead. What's that? You're, you're riding a bicycle now yes Good. wait a minute right, <laughs> time, right, come on I've, you
0: know very well every time i come down there that's true yes uh, you you're know, right you're right you're right you know yeah, second right, or third right. after you know hanging out with you i love riding down there in the winter time and uh yes i ride my bicycle a lot i love riding my bicycle um so uh that's if you heard noises and apparently you did <laughs> that's what it was i was like holy crap water everywhere uh,
2: did, you didn't spell it on the new computer
0: no i didn't fortunately
2: fortunately oh my god yeah
0: um So uh, now I've lost my place here. Uh, We're going to do shout-outs next. Um, Shout-outs. But while you guys are thinking about shout-outs, I'm going to say uh, that uh, UCAP is going back to Oshkosh again. Uh, We're going to be at AirVenture 2019 and doing all our usual stuff and more. Um, we're going to be doing uh, the, our, our regular dailies like we've been doing for years now. and We have a lot of fun with those. We're going to do our our big uh, episode from the uh, uh, from the flight line uh, out on the announcer stand on Sunday morning, as we always do, and we'll do that with our uh, in in concert with our friends from uh, EAA Radio, um, and and that's going to be great. And then new this year, uh, we're going to be doing UCap Live. UCap Live is a pair of, of full blown episodes that we're going to be doing uh, from the Home Builders Headquarters um, out of the edge of the flight line at uh, air venture and uh, and and one of the reasons we wanted to do this because it gave us an opportunity to have an actual live audience for those of you who'd like to come and sit in and 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 we're gonna not only you know i mean not I don't quite, frankly, understand why you'd want to listen to us, but we want to listen to you. That and we're, so there's going to be like a microphone for audience members to talk with us and ask us questions or, or set us straight or whatever. And uh, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it, and we're going to do it twice: uh, once on Tuesday morning and once on Friday morning during Air Venture Week. And we now know the time. It's going to. We're going to actually going to start recording at eight thirty a.m. Calm down, Jeb. Calm down. Oh, man. 8:30 <laughs> a.m. Which, if you know Air Venture, and uh, um, things are really hop, w- hopping well before 8:30, so it's not like from an Air Venture standpoint that's all that early. Um, G- give but, me sure I have the phone number for catering. But from a Jeb standpoint, um, that's pretty early. And I think, as I pointed to you out already, Jeb, um, our, our, uh, uh, Charlie has told uh, told me that it's going to be okay. Jeb, there will be coffee. All right. So, I'm not uh, going
1: to take this abuse much longer. Okay. <laughs> So, just putting it all on Another warning.
0: year or two. Yeah. So uh, UCAP live at, at Oshkosh, uh, at Osh 19, AirVenture 2019. We're getting the band uh,
1: back together.
0: It's going to be a lot of fun, actually. We're going to be, uh, we're actually going to be under the, uh, so they have a, a, a the, I forget now what they, but it's the Home Builders Headquarters um, building there um, out at the edge of the flight line. Um, it's uh, it's adjacent to the brand new improved um, outdoors exhibit area um, that's going to be there, and uh, it's actually kind of a, cl- a covered. Typically, it's got picnic. It's filled with picnic tables, and it's open on the sides, but got a roof over it. Um, so uh, we're going to set up on one of those picnic tables and and invite people to kind of. We're going to put up some you know speakers so people can hear us, and and you know we're going to we're going to do like, it. What you want them to hear us? Yeah, I know, I know. Oh, no, it's going to yeah. be great. It's going you to be a lot keep, of fun.
2: You keep changing the rules.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, um, I'm looking forward to uh, listeners coming and, uh, and uh, joining us and participating and, and that kind of thing. That's uh, Tuesday and Friday um, at AirVenture 2019, UCAP Live, uh, as well as all the other fun stuff uh, from uh, AirVenture 2019. And uh, I don't know whether or not I, sub- I I inserted the Patreon announcement because we're kind of rushing this episode out the door today, but uh, uh, we definitely don't want to go without saying thank you to all of our Patreon supporters uh, for helping us out. Um, it makes it possible for us to do some things that, that are would otherwise be kind of difficult, and so we, we do appreciate that. Um, and if you're not already a Patreon supporter, please consider it. Um, you don't have to, but uh, it does help for you to, uh, to support us with a, a dollar or two or three uh, per episode. Um, it it helps us do what we're trying to do here so thank you very much
2: it's, it's, one of the things we're trying to do here is condition she to get up before noon so
1: that's that, yeah yeah that could happen um. you know you're <laughs> not supposed to say those parts out loud <laughs>
0: <laughs> shout outs what do you got here uh david yeah these all seem to have your name on them they don't necessarily need to touch on all of them but uh well, which one do you want to talk about first david if any uh, well I'll, I'll talk about the middle one first uh Okay. Oh, really? Okay.
2: Yeah, I uh, got an email not long ago. I'm sure a lot of other people did as well. But if you have never made it to the Sebring uh, Expo, the Sebring Regional uh, Show down in January, the Aviation Expo, if you've missed it, you've missed it. you missed it, yeah. They've pulled the plug on it, this year's uh, Sebring Aviation Expo, Uh, has turned out to be the last one because last month they pulled the plug on Future. Uh, They're not going to do it anymore, which makes the default sport airplane show to go to in Florida. Uh, Now the DeLand uh, Expo. So uh, it was a good run while it lasted. It was an interesting show. It had different problems at different years, but they sure did try hard to make it... Work out, and finally, they just had to to let it go. So, yeah, it's, uh, our appreciation for all the years that they uh, did it and pulled it pulled it off. And but January in Florida was when Sun and Fun was scheduled when they originally started it. Mm-hmm. F- what forty five years uh, forty five years ago, and they found out pretty quickly that January is not the most predictable month to be doing something outdoors in Florida. Yeah, and they progressively moved it to February and then to March, and now we're in the April thing where we've been for more than a decade now. Right. Sebring never got over the variability and and unpredictability of the weather. I mean, it. Some days it was cold and so windy that the little guys didn't want to fly. Some days it was
1: just cold.
2: Yeah. Uh, other days it was nice and sunny and warm
1: and just too windy. Yeah, uh, the, the weather in that area of Florida is unpredictable in, in uh, that part yeah. of the year, that time of year. But uh. yeah, yeah. So, so
2: our hats off to him for all the effort, and uh, sorry that it didn't uh, work out better. But you sure set an example that is being followed elsewhere in the state, and we hope continues to uh, thrive in its new environment with, without that competition.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of sad, but that's these things happen. Uh, Jeb, yes, I
1: do. Uh, to Tom Rice. Okay. Unremarkable name. Um, Tom Rice, uh, is a veteran. He, uh, served in the 101st Airborne mm-hmm. um, for the United States army. Um, he did that 75 years ago. He was one of the people who jumped out of a C 47 yeah. during the D day. Uh, invasion when it just first started going off at at night, at night, jumping out of a C-47 over occupied France. Uh Mr. Rice did it again. Yeah. On June 5, 75 years later, he jumped out of another C-47 over the same spot in daytime this time with no one shooting at him. Yeah. Um <laughs> they and had to improve uh, the experience. And this one this was a tandem jump with a with was a, t- I was wondering about with that. another yeah, okay. with another parachutist but he did it nonetheless. And yeah. uh, dude um more power to you.
0: Absolutely. That's cool. Um, that whole celebration, that whole memorial really sounded amazing. It really I haven't did. I have only read a little bit about it and not seen hardly any video. I'm sure there's got to be a lot of stuff out there and uh, I need to dig into it at some point, but uh, yeah.
2: Well, you know, that whole couple of weeks uh, run-up to uh-huh. the uh, 75th anniversary of uh, the uh, June 6th invasion was educational beyond anything I've ever experienced yeah. from uh, documentary television and entertainment television. Uh, the the new s- stories, the new uh, uh, documentaries about things that went on on D-Day. Uh, I DVR'd a lot of stuff thinking vainly that I might catch a glimpse of my father in some of the documentary footage. Yeah. Uh, just like I used to look for my uncle's B-17 until I found out that he never gave it a name, it had mm-hmm. no nose art. Uh, uh, but I still look at those 8th Air Force videos and, yeah. and film and thinking that I might one day see his face because I'd recognize it. I've seen him it, pictures of him in uniform getting ready to deploy to England in 1942. And uh, it, just an amazing undertaking the, the the whole thing yeah. the scope of it uh, yeah. the the depth and the number of people involved and logistics and all that just it just staggers me i don't think we've ever been that good at something as we were back in june of 44 yep yep uh any other shout
0: outs we're done. we're
2: done i think we're done uh one quick one yeah. real quickie uh, since there's, I'm not sure we'll get this opportunity again. But uh, coming soon, Saturday, July 13th, and Oshkosh won't be going on yet, Sun and Fun Radio is going to be debuting their own podcast. So you can uh, pick it up on liveatc.net slash SNF, just like usual. Oh, waffles. I might just uh, drive
1: up there for breakfast.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're careful, they'll put you on a microphone. But mm-hmm. yeah, okay. no, 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 no. I'm not. <laughs> I don't.
1: I don't do microphones.
2: But yeah they're uh, they're going to be Mr. Shawbetter Dave Shawbetter the uh, veteran Sun and Fun Radio chairman, and our longtime friend and part time boss. Uh, he's decided to get this going, and uh, so uh, visit the Sun and Fun Radio website to get more information. But July 13th is uh, when they're planning on making it happen. Cool. Cool. It'll be fun. Oh, and it'll be 10 a.m. to noon uh, Eastern time. There you go.
0: All right. Well, thank you, guys. It's always a blast. I love getting together. This this was for an episode that was well, a long time in the making and had a huge list. Uh, this was fun. I enjoyed this a lot. This was a good episode. You uh, call, we haul. Yeah, here they go. Uh, thanks to both of you, my good friends here, uh, Jeb Burnside. Jeb's a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Uh, in addition, to, uh, other than trying to finish your episode, your issue, your episode, your uh, issue, what are you up to, up to, Jeb?
1: Oh, um, coming off a of work sprint. Um, doing some travel um, filed a bunch of words with a bunch of people and um, sitting back to to uh, enjoy some of the fruits of that um, in addition to aviation safety dot com uh, you can find me let's see aea.net for uh, work that I do for the Aircraft Electronics Association you'll find my stuff on AvWeb you'll find me on generalaviationnews.com and uh, A-I-N com On the Twitter machine, it's still Burnside J. Cool.
0: And David, David, uh, Dave Higdon is, sorry, I scrolled away. I was doing something here. All right, hang on. D- Dave, Dave, Dave Burnside. Dave Burnside. <laughs> Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for
2: London's Ab Buyer magazine. David, what have you been working on? I'm just checking that out. Let me see. What have I been doing lately? Uh, let's see. Okay, this month in avionics news, uh, the, the issue just coming out, the July issue, uh, you can find a uh, a uh, flying report on the new Genesis Aerosystems tech 3100 flight control system. Uh, really nice piece of kit uh, and reasonably priced to go into your airplane. Uh, otherwise, you can find my uh, blogs and my business aviation uh, writings on uh, uh, avbuyer.com. Uh, the... Uh, other places, uh, let's see, I'm in the uh, Cessna owners and Piper owners magazines uh, with stories about equipping for EDSB before the deadline. Uh, that's in the uh, July issues of those as well. And other than that, I'm uh, Real Higdon on the Twitter machine and uh, don't do Facebook, so just look me up. Yeah, cool. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance
0: writer, and a digital media producer. Um, this is uh, Longtime listeners may or may not recognize that this is my busiest time of year for my, reg- for my day job. And uh, I, I mentioned earlier that I was just in Philadelphia. I was in, I forget where, someplace before that. And I'm about to go to Atlanta for a week um, and then finally get to go to Oshkosh. So uh, kind of you know, trying to do things on the homestand here so that I can get home you know, errands finished and then go back out to work again. Um, you can find me online in most of the uh, uh, usual places with the username Jack Hodgson. That's my first name and last name bumped together. For example, YouTube slash Jack Hodgson, Twitter slash Jack Hodgson, Patreon slash Jack Hodgson. On Amazon, you can search for my ebooks by searching for Around the Field in the Book Session section, and you can sign up for my email newsletter newsletter at jackhodgson.com. Uh, thanks to all the listeners uh, uh, out there who have been sending us feedback. Uh, we did a lot of those, and that was great. I, I love that stuff. So uh, keep those cards and letters coming in. You can support this podcast by becoming a patron, uh, patron for as little as $1 per episode. Reward-level patrons get also get exclusive access to the UCAP After Show. Get more information about all this at patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace. You can send us email at podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. You can check out the latest UCAP news and all the UCAP show notes at the UCAP homepage, uncontrolledairspace.com. And you can follow UCAP on Twitter at twitter.com slash class G airspace. That's class with the letter G airspace. David, was there something you wanted to tell us?
2: Oh, yeah. The best way to enjoy the life you know you want, uh, a long one. Is to spend a little time in an airplane because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. And just look at all the old pilots at Oshkosh for proof.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that's enough talking. Let's go flying. I really think we should start a wine club. <laughs> <laughs> I think, what an idea! <laughs> I think there's something to be said about uh, the whole dogs breakfast thing. But yeah, okay, breakfast. yeah, that makes yeah. sense. it's a whole whole product, you know, kind of opportunity.
1: <sighs> My work here is done.